0: today. Anybody go sledding? Oh my. I uh, tell you, if you did, you're braver than I am. I'll tell you for sure. And I told pastor he needs to get and invest in a four uh, snowmobile. And uh, wow, <clears throat> I'll tell you what, it's a, this is just hard to believe, isn't it? And you know, instead of getting mad about it, you might as well just laugh. I mean, you know, I believe God has a sense of humor. Amen. And uh, somebody asked me today, said, Wow, did you plan to have almost 10 years, or you know, say not 10 years, but 19 years between your children and having them? I said, No. I said, God has a sense of humor. I said, "Uh, We tried everything to have children, you know, just like you normally would, every two years and stagger them, have four. And and, uh, then after the first one came, two years came along. Okay, there wasn't any other one. Two more years, no other one. Two more years, eight years, 10 years, 15 years. We go to doctor after doctor, you know, and, and uh, they're uh, uh, trying to help us. Like, Doc, you know, uh, what do you think? And they said, well, we'll see what we can do. And, and uh, the doctor just finally said, you know, uh, if it happens, it'll just be a miracle. You might as well accept the fact that you have one and just take the one and, and that's it. He said, I don't know anything else to do for you. And uh, lo and behold, when my wife and I, and the uh, same year, are turning 40 years old, my oldest son is going to Bible college. Right before he leaves, we brought him in and said, son, we, we need to have a little family discussion. <laughs> That's probably one of the hardest talks i ever had in my life. Yeah, I was like, wow. I mean, I'm serious, because you know, whenever I wife found out, my wife was expecting, uh, she called me at the office, and uh, uh, she said, honey, she said, I am having a, a rough morning. <clears throat> and uh, I just believe, she said, I feel like I'm expecting. I said, why well, <laughs> we know that's not the case. It's been almost 19 years. Got to be something else. Probably the flu bug, you know, you'll get over it in a day or two. And, and uh, so uh, uh, she finally just kept asking, kept asking. It's about 9 o'clock. She said, "Well, you at least just go by the drugstore and get one of those tests? I said okay I jump in the car I drive up to the drugstore now when I get to the drugstore I walk in it's like 930 in the morning nobody's there but me and the lady that works there that I have dealt with so many times buying Easter goodies and all kinds of stuff Trudy was her name and so I walk in and I'm thinking I wish there was like a thousand people in here right now you know (laughs) and uh, just me and her that's it And I walk all over the store, 20 minutes, I thought, where in the world is it, you know? It's been 19 years, I don't know where to look. And uh, finally I find it, and I get up there, and it's like, Lord, please send somebody else in here to run a register, I don't want to talk. And so I go up there, and I thought, okay, I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to buy it, I'm not even going to look up at her, I'm not saying nothing, I'm just paying for it, get out of here. And she said, hello, Brother Campbell, I said, hello, Trudy, how are you? Oh man, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I walked out of there and went home. I have no idea what she was thinking, but she's probably laughing after she went out the door, you know. And I got home, my wife took that test and came just positive, just like that. And I said, You know, I think I read somewhere where those tests are not really accurate. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> they talk about being in denial. I was in denial. And uh, so uh, I said, you better call your doctor. I just don't think that thing's working, you know. And so she called the doctor, long story, went in that day. She come in the room and said, well, congratulations. And uh, everybody always asked me, what did you say then? I said, I, I, it took me three weeks before I spoke. I didn't say nothing. I was like Zacharias in the Bible. I was shocked. And uh, but uh, anyway, I'll never forget bringing Isaac in. Isaac, we got some news to tell you. And <laughs> he looked at us like, oh, Lord, it's bad. He said, I know it's bad just the way you're <laughs> acting. And I was like, your mom's expecting. What? <laughs> he just could not believe it. <laughs> he started crying. We all started crying. I mean, it was just amazing. And uh, But, uh, you know, you look back at life and you think, wow. When you especially can say you had no hand in, in, in the way the events took place, it's like, you know, God had to do all this to make this happen just at this time. And, but you have to look back with joy and say, Wow, what a great God, like Preacher said. You know, there's a great God up there, and, and I'm glad he knows what's going on. And uh, it's, it's exciting. So Jack just turned 10 just a few weeks ago, and uh, when he turns 20, uh, we're thinking about having another one. And it uh, <laughs> make life interesting, amen. Wouldn't that be a sight, amen? Oh, you didn't hear that, Lord, okay. <clears throat> Uh well, well. Well, it's good to be here. Thank you, Pastor. It's an honor to be here. I sure appreciate your friendship. Thank you for the uh comments this morning. So many of you came by the table today and said you've been praying for us and, and I cannot thank you enough from the bottom of our heart for your prayers. And I want you to know that what God's done in my life that you have had a part in that. So thank you for praying for us and and uh, keeping us in your prayers as we're out on the road every week and uh, you know, seven years ago, if somebody would have told me then that I would no longer be pastoring and I would have had a ministry called Treasure Trials doing what we're doing, I, I, there's just no way I would have ever dreamed it possible to do that. And uh, but as preacher said, it's so true. Um, wow, there are so many people in this country that are hurting, and uh, good people, and uh, so many going through so many tragedies and trials, and uh, just it just it's just extremely. Uh, urgent that we um, help those people. And, uh, and by the way, there's no better book than this book right here to help them, and there's no greater God than the God we have to help them. And um, <clears throat> I heard somebody say many years ago, I'm not sure who is responsible for the saying, I borrow it a lot, but the saying goes like this, he who teaches or preaches to broken and hurting hearts will never want for a congregation And boy, that's true. And uh, your preacher gets up every week, three, four times a week. I guarantee you there's always some hurting hearts in the congregation. And uh, as a church, uh, we ought to go out of our way to uh, help those people, capitalize on them. Because you never know, somebody walks through that door, the next visitor, the next service, might be carrying the biggest load they've ever had in their life. And the reason they're here is because this is a hospital to them. And they come into the hospital expecting somebody to help them. And uh, we're just the people to do it. And uh, because we have a God that's got all the answers. And so that's the joy of it. And I praise the Lord for it. If you didn't get one of our brochures, come by and see one tonight. We'll get one to you. And uh, I might take a couple of them if you want and pass them along. And we have a blog on our website. And uh, I write once only, my wife writes a lot more than I do, and she is excellent about writing things of encouragement and hope and help, and um, she is working now to become a counselor, and she's been counseling so many women and young ladies, and uh, we never dreamed that God would open up so many doors for us, and uh, we're thankful for it and just glad to be here, and we feel like you folks are just part of our family. And uh, we are so thankful for you, and what a blessing. I don't normally do this. In fact, I don't know when I have done this, but I'm going to have you turn to 2 Chronicles tonight. I preached 1 Chronicles this morning. I'm go back to the book of Chronicles, but second book of it, and uh, chapter 19. It's kind of ironic. I, I didn't plan. The Lord planned it all out. And um, I don't normally do this either, but you might want to get you a little piece of paper, and I want to give you a recipe tonight and uh, that I think will help you. And uh, if you ever go through a storm or a battle or a trial or a difficulty, I'm looking forward this week to preaching on the home and family and marriage, however the Lord opens that door. But today I thought we'd concentrate on trials and and difficulties. And and because we all, how many know somebody? Raise your hand. How many know somebody going through a trial right now? Raise your hand. How many know someone? Wow, that's everybody probably. And um, well, I want you to take this recipe and put it down tonight. It's, it's been one that's helped me tremendously. I, uh, I live this recipe. I relive it and relive it. And uh, it's just been great to me. So let's stand tonight if you can and will. If you can't stand, we certainly understand for physical reasons, whatever. But let me read the uh, beginning chapter 19 and uh, verse number 1. Notice the wording here. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. Now, notice when Jehoshaphat, by the way, who was a very good king, I mean a very good king. Why was he a good king? He helped bring the people of God back to the house of God. Now, that's a good man. And he believed in revival, just like we ought to believe in revival. And wow, was he a man that the people got behind, they looked up to, and they submitted themselves to him just like you you would do to your pastor. Say, wow, boy, I believe we've got a leader here that's going to take us down the road where God would have us to go. But I want you to notice what happened in verse number one. Two words here. Let me read it again. And when I pause, I want you to read the next two words out loud with me. Okay, here we go. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house... In peace to Jerusalem. What was the atmosphere when he came back? Peaceful. You see that? It was peaceful. How many like peaceful? Isn't that good? I'd a whole lot rather have that than turmoil, amen, any day. I'd take peace any day over a trial, over a heartache. You know, bad news. Well, he's in a time of peace. Now look down verse number 4. And Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem... And he went out again through the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim and brought them back unto the Lord God of their fathers. Let's go zero real fast. Chapter 20, verse number 1. Now, remember, what's the atmosphere now? Will you say it with me? Peace. All right, let's go to chapter 20, verse 1. Just 11 verses. Isn't it amazing how 11 verses, things can change drastically? Look at verse 1. It came to pass after this. Now I put parentheses after that and I put back, point back to chapter 19. After what? Time of peace. Notice what happened. Also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to what? Battle. Wow, what happened to the peace? Where'd that peace go? (laughs) Whoa. Have you ever noticed your life can so quickly go from peace? To battle when I read this God knew that I needed that because we had enjoyed a little time of peace I had seven months after a grueling uh, procedure that I did in the hospital that allowed me to be pain-free seven months well I'll tell you what I, I was on cloud 20 Amen. I mean I had been hurting for a couple years doctor did this treatment i came out and he said there's a possibility he might be pain-free and i'll never forget boy time of peace it was exciting it was thrilling. it was like wow i got my life back i got i got everything back praise god this is great it's wonderful i'm in florida preaching on a on monday morning before we drive back home my wife and her out walking on the beach there in Destin, florida bam that pain came back like a mack truck it's been back ever since we went quickly from a time of peace to a time of battle. And, and I could say that many times, and I'm sure you could as well. So my message tonight has to deal with that. So let me pray and I'll let you be seated. Father, I love you tonight. Thank you for the joy of God's word. I just want to be a blessing and a help. And more than anything, I want to make sure that you are exalted, magnified. If we don't do that, it'll all be vain every single thing that we do the days and the times we're living we cannot afford for that to happen tune our hearts in to thee and to the holy spirit and by god's grace and by god's help in jesus name amen you can be seated thank you so very much i want to give you this recipe because as i said we've had so many times where it seemed like our life changes just that fast uh wouldn't you agree? One phone call can just change your life that quick. I mean, one phone call, one text message, one email, one trip to the post office. I mean, it just—it's amazing how quickly life can change. And and you folks know about that. I mean, Mrs. Dalton, I mean, she several people. You know how life can change. Bam! Things were going so good. All of a sudden, bam! What happened? And it leaves you just kind of questioning, and leaves you kind of thinking. Why? Why? And even our Lord and Savior on the cross said, My God, my God, why? And if we've heard probably the most resounding thing in our ministry over the years. One of the things is people say, Brother Mrs. Campbell, why? Why does God allow some of the things to happen in our lives like he does? Why? Boy, I'd be a rich person if I knew the answer to that. I mean, I'd have it in a book, and I'd say, oh, yep, let me see, chapter 7. Here you go. You're in chapter 14. Oh, there you go. I mean, wouldn't that be, hey, I can't. But you know what? I'm glad that I can't figure it out. But I'm glad I got a God that can. And wow, what a wonderful God. And God knows way before things ever happen in our life exactly what's going to happen and how we're going to handle it. And so I I want us to look at some things here and and, uh, there's times when I wish I had this recipe a lot sooner than I did. And boy, sometimes you have to go through some things to be taught some things. And hopefully you write those things down, you record those things so that after you've gone through it and you meet somebody else, you think, you know what, I think I can help you, Brother Peck, and say, hey, I've been there. I have learned something that we're guilty of doing quite a lot most likely we probably shouldn't do it and that's saying this i know exactly how you feel that's a scary thing to say i mean because you realize every single person on the planet earth is different handles everything differently and for us to say ha oh, brother dale i know exactly how you feel i mean I don't really think we can wisely say that and, and really mean it because we've never been in their shoes. But I'll tell you what, there's times when people have come to me and uh, I was in Canada four or five months ago, something like that. <clears throat> and uh, I was preaching in a church up in uh, Manitoba. And the pastor said, Brother Campbell, this week on Tuesday we're having a luncheon. He said, do you think you could spend a few minutes with one of our men in our church? He's, uh, he's come down with this... this uh, Something's happened in his spine, he's got massive pain, it's caused him just to be on so much medication, and he feels bad about it, he's embarrassed about hurting, he moves around a lot, and he says he, he can't come to church anymore because he's afraid of what people might think or say and, and do, and, and, and by the way, those are real fears. My, my family, we know about that. We were in Southern California. I had preached at, at I think, Brother Bruce Goddard's. And just after I preached and left, we go back. We're going back to our hotel Sunday night. We stopped by a restaurant, and we're hungry, just like all Baptists. Amen? I'm glad to know you're eating on Tuesday night. Amen? And I'm not going to come at 7 and not be here for the meal. Amen? And, and I mean, we, we stopped at this restaurant. We got in there. We ate. And... I had preached three, four times that day, and oh man, I I was having to get up, and my family's so used to it, and they know. And by that time, I uh, it was before I had this medicine, I, I'll eat a little bit, and then I stand up and eat because I just can't sit down. When that pain gets to that point, I just can't do it, and so I'm walking around the table like this, and and my family noticed uh, <clears throat> we have some onlookers. <laughs> I mean, you just do; people notice that, and and. We would probably all do the same. But these onlookers were doing something that we had seen happen before. They were looking, kind of pointing and laughing. Well, that's kind of tough to your eight-year-old. You know, when they see somebody laughing at their dad. It's tough for your wife. And and so, you know, it, it don't be hurtful. You know, they've never been where we're at. Before I... Judge not, lest ye be judged. And so we just turned it into an opportunity. We, we said as a family, Lord, instead of getting angry at those folks, help us know how to help them. Hey, we have some brochures. When we leave the restaurant, I'll go out first. And then my wife or my son, Jack, will go by the table. We couldn't help noticing that you was watching my dad. My dad has a terrible disease. He lives in awful pain. I hope you'll read about that there. And then we just leave. We don't say, appreciate you laughing at my dad. Don't appreciate that. That wasn't very nice. No, we didn't do that. You never know. Because see, hurting people sometimes hurt people. And we don't want to live like that. So we turn it in a track. And we just walk away. And we don't do it to heat coals of fire on their head. We get to the hotel, wake up the next morning. My wife's cell phone rings. It's that lady and her husband. And they're bawling their eyes out. And said, will you please forgive us? We had no idea. I think her words were, I thought your husband had bitten into some pepper or something that was hot. And he just couldn't handle it. He's in there, man, this is hot. You know, oh man, what in the world did I get into? Woo! You know, brother, you won't believe this, but I went to a preacher's fellowship. And right when I got there I never know when the pain was going to come on back before this medicine. And I walk in and I'm just, oh man, I'm hurting. And a guy introduces me and this preacher who I don't know, he come up and he said, man, you're in the spirit today. Look at him. He hadn't had the meeting yet. He's already full of the Holy Ghost. Now does that not prove sometimes we say some of the craziest things? Speak before we think and I didn't say a word. Good to meet you. And the preacher that I was with said, Oh, don't 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 make light of him. He said, He has a bad disease. He's hurting. Oh, that guy wanted to crawl under the pew. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 oh, I'm just saying, we've we got to be so careful. But life can just change so quickly with things. And let me give this recipe. I, I was reading this text one day when I got home, and I had gone through a tremendous time. And, and, and boy, I, would just, I was like, wow, where did that time of peace go? Now it's like battles come back again. I thought the trial was over. I thought it was gone. I was going to get back to pastoring. Maybe one day get a church again, and, and things were going to go. And, and, wow, boom, all of a sudden, like chapter 20, verse 1. Let's look at it again. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab. If you know much about your Bible Christians, the group in Moab are not good people. They're bad. God likens them in Psalms to wash pot. I mean, they're wicked, they're vile, they're evil. They do not like the people of God. You know, just like the people out there. You know, North Carolina, we're in a battle of our life down in North Carolina just over this, what they call bathroom bill. Something that I learned in three-year-old at home. I mean, hello. And I mean, man, this is like, this is not a hard thing. And now people are saying, oh, don't fly to North Carolina. Don't go do business there. Don't go there. Well, praise the Lord, don't come. But you can't say we don't know which best room to go into. That's a whole other deal. But... (laughs) I might change my message tonight. I never know. You just never know. Uh, But uh, I I get to thinking about it, and I get aggravated, you know. But Moab, there we go, wash pot, there we go. (laughs) There's always that group of people that are out there that don't like the people who call themselves Christians. You ever notice maybe on the job or work, neighborhood, sometimes even family, oh, you go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Wow, wow. Whoa, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You just get the looks. And, and oh, you just get that. All right, look at the next group. Uh, Moab is around. Then the children of Ammon. Wow, folks. I mean, you know much about your Bible. You know the Ammonites are not good people. Boy, they battled Moses. I mean, they battled him. I mean, they battled. And they fought against the people of God. Wait, we're not done. Look who else shows up. And then it says, and with them, other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle now, notice verse 2. Now, Jehoshaphat looks out, sees Ammon, Moab, all these enemies all around him, and he already knows, wow, time of peace is over. Then verse 2. Then Jehoshaphat, or let's see, Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea of Syria. Uh, wow. We have so many groups now that are coming against Jehoshaphat. And then a messenger comes to him, Jehoshaphat, in case you didn't know, there's people all around us, and here comes some more us. That's bad news. I mean, that is bad news. And wow, that just taught me that that can just be so much like life. Well, it caused so much distress. Look at verse 3. And here we get started here. And I'll give you these little uh, eight, nine things here real quickly. this recipe. And Jehoshaphat, what's the next word? Say it with me. Fear. fear. Folks, have your attention. How many have ever feared? Is it not amazing how when trials invade our life, fear usually follows them? I mean fear. Fear is scary. I won't go back into all the fear I've had. Uh, Two years ago, I mentioned I was in Kentucky. I had a heart attack, getting dressed Sunday morning, getting ready to go to the pulpit on Sunday morning. Next thing I know, i am being loaded in an ambulance, had no prior problems with my heart, didn't even have a warning sign go off at all. And uh, some people say, oh, you, you know, my chest felt like this when I had, I had none of that. All I know is I just collapsed in the hotel, I'm in the hospital, now I'm in the emergency room. Doctor comes in and says, "Uh, we have to get Mr. Campbell out of here real quickly. I've called the airlift helicopter, they're eight miles out. Now I'm laying on the bed hurting like everything, but I'm hearing that. Wow, fear thermometer went, bing, 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 bing. This is not good. They put me on the roof of the hospital, they load me in that helicopter, I'm lifting off, and I'm looking at my wife, what I think might be the last time I ever see her. And my son, I can't tell you. I don't know if the pain was worse that time or the fear was worse. I'd say probably the fear. Yeah. felt feared. And, and Christians, we better be careful when other people have fear in their life that we don't, we should never make light up. Especially if that's an area of our life we feel pretty strong at. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't, don't. Remember, we're all made differently. And we're all going to handle things differently. I remember being lifted off and I said to God, God, I've never been as afraid as I am right now. And I just would like to ask two things. Would you please let me see my wife again and my kids? And then Lord, number two, would you please let me preach just one more time? This isn't how I wanted it to end. Just let me have one more time. Well, here's Jehoshaphat. Now, are you ready? Number one. Let's look at verse number three and let's notice. So, enemies around him, fears in his life. Notice verse three. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Well, what a great. And proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, how did those people know to come to seek the Lord if their leader didn't seek the Lord first? Wow, what a great leader. Isn't it good to have somebody? By the way, I'm praying like everything. We get a leader like that in America again. That we as God's people can rise up and say, man, it's good to have a president that quotes the Bible and lifts up the name Jesus Christ and is not afraid to take a stand for right against wrong. Hey, wouldn't that be great? Oh, man, I love that. And that's the kind of leader Jehoshaphat was. But right now, he's scared out of his skin. But here we go. Point number one. You always have to have a plan. Folks, You know why we get frazzled when trials comes in our life? And you ever heard of somebody having a nervous breakdown, having panic attacks, going into all kinds of things? And and by the way, don't make fun. Don't make light. Until you've ever been there, you have no idea how they feel. And so, boy, when all these things happen, and and all, uh, I'll tell you why most of the time that happens. Is the people who end up that way did not have a plan of attack when Trials come. This man set himself. Okay. I've got armies all around me. Messenger just came. Said there's even more than that. I've got God's people here. God's counting on me. I'm scared like I've never been scared before. I'm going to set myself. Notice it didn't say he tucked tail and ran. He set himself. To seek the Lord. So number one. Make sure, number one, have you a plan in place. I call it preventive maintenance. Yeah. I have a car, and that car, we bought, was able to buy it recently because our other one had about 250,000 miles. I mean, it literally gave up the ghost. And praise God, he allowed us to get another car, had about 16,000 miles on it. Well, when I got it, the guy said, whatever you do, keep the tires rotated every 5,000 miles. I said, got it. And he said, keep the oil change every three to 4,000 miles. Got it. And he said, every 70,000 miles, get that transmission fluid, reach out, get a new filter. Got it. You know what he was telling me? If you want that car to last 250,000 miles like your last one did, you better have a plan to make it happen. Well, as Christians, we have to have a plan how to get through the battle times of life because peace is not going to always be there. Peace is here today, but it might be gone tomorrow and battle is here. What do you do? Have a plan in place. All right, here under your plan, put this down. Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Notice it didn't say, and I'm not against this, but it didn't say, but seek ye Facebook. Didn't say that, but seek your email. Well, seek your telephone. No, hey, and I'm not against calling your best friend. I'm not about getting counsel. Hey, but seek your pastor. I'm not against going to your pastor. I said in Sunday school, if you're in debt, come to your pastor. No, I'm just can't. You'd had to been here this morning to see that. He's got all the answers, amen. But I'm just saying, you got to have a plan of attack. And that plan better include, number one, I better seek him. Call unto me. That ought to be in every text plan and every phone. 333, J-E-R, Jeremiah 33, 3. It's the best test message you'll ever have. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Write down Hebrews 13, 5, memorize it. I am the Lord God. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I mean, you have to have these things. Matthew 7, 7, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. He always has to have a plan of attack. Well, that's what he did. He put a plan in place. And why? Because there were some problems in his life. He made a plan. He said, "I am not going to let fear make decisions for me. I'm going to let God make decisions for me." Can I tell you something, my wife and I in the last four and a half years, we've been on the road, we've met a lot of hurting people. We've met a lot of hurting pastors. A lot of pastors' wives. I would never tell names. But we have met some pastors and pastors' wives who have been thrown through some fires. Not long ago, a pastor told me, Brother Campbell, I thought I brought you here to help my people. But I know now God had me bring you here to help me. And he said, with tears, I'm ashamed to tell you this. But it's been six months since I have picked up my Bible and read it. It's a pastor. And by the way, be careful about judging. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That could be any of us. You know why that pastor was telling me that? I didn't have a plan. When that trial came to my life, I didn't have a plan that included seeking him first. And Christian, there should never be a day Ever in our life that we live 24 hour period breathe God's air walk on God's earth that we don't set ourselves in this book because this book is the light under my feet and a lamp under my path the Bible said the entrance of thy word giveth light and we have got to live in God's word. I mean, hide it in your heart that you might not it when the battle times comes, when the trials come in your life, when you get frazzled in life and you panic in life, when you tuck, tail, and run. Don't do that. I've got a God that said, Christian, you don't have to fight the battle. I will stand with you. I will never throw you in the burning, fiery furnace without I'm going to get right in there with you. We got a God like that. But you got to have a plan in place. Number two, I want you to notice the second thing as we go through here number one plans have to be made number two you have to meditate on your past now let's go to verse five and jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of judah in jerusalem in the house of the lord there's another one that we could add in under that number one when you're seeking god you seek him by coming through those doors every sunday morning sunday night and wednesday night how many of God's people in good churches like this sit under good preaching like you have and you have had for many years before this, this pastor came? And have people, you could look around tonight, I don't know them, but you would, and I don't want us to do that right now, but how many people were here 10 years ago that are not here tonight? Used to be in church. I never want that said about me. And folks, make sure you stay. Don't vacate the house of God. And, and, and he says here in verse number 6, And said, "Oh Lord God, our God, here he's seeking God. Now notice how he talks to him. Art not thou God in heaven? In other words, you ever talk to God that way? When I pray, I like to walk around sometimes and talk. Joshua's in the house of God. All of Judah's around. They're scared too because they see the fear of the leader. And he says, Art not thou God in heaven? Aren't you the God that we serve? You promised us. And notice as he goes on, he says, uh, that rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? He's getting a little more confident, you see, as he's right right, talking to God. Look at verse 7. Art not thou, notice he puts another word in here, our God. I like that. Now he makes it on a personal basis. Folks, we got to realize sometimes when life throws us a battle in the midst of peaceful times, we got to have plans in place. Plans better include God. Number two, we better go back and revisit our past. It was God that brought me through that trial two years ago. It was the same God that I'm going to trust today that got me through the last valley that I was in there. It's not just a God. It's not the God. It's my God. I mean, that's the kind of God I serve. And wow, hey, I, and isn't it good sometimes? I love reading Psalms because you ever see that word, Selah? That means stop. Think about it. I got to tell you this. You know, Brother Daryl Cox used to work for him. He loves basketball. And he always liked shooting like, you know, the, the three-pointers. And we'd play basketball all the time. And he first started doing it. I couldn't figure out what in the world he was doing. And he'd take about a 30-foot shot. And he was left-handed. He'd bury that thing. And he'd go whoosh. And he'd say, Selah. What'd you say? And he did it again. Selah. I'd say, what are you saying? He said, think about it. That's the way we ought to be about our God. Selah means to stop and take note. What just happened? Hey, and and by the way, how many of us could look back and say, God's brought us through some mighty tough stormy waters. Amen? It'd be good to once in a while go back and say, boy, I'm going to go back because the battle time's here again. I didn't want it to come, but here it is. And I'm going to say, that same God that got me through the last ones, the same God that'll get me through this one. Now, notice the third thing. I said sometimes plans have to be made. We have to meditate on our past. Look at verse number eight. We have to claim some promises in the Bible. Notice Joshua, he lays it all out. Verse 8, And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein, for thy name's sake. If when evil cometh upon us as a sort of judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee. Here he tells us in what kind of condition. In our affliction. Notice the last line. Then thou might hear and help. Thou, maybe, after you think about it. No, it says thou wilt hear and help. You know why I think he was so confident? I think it's because he had some promises. Folks, you realize that book we hold in our hand tonight has over 30,000 promises. My wife, I think, looked up the other day. 30,000, 35,000 promises. That's a heap of isn't it? That's more than enough for every day. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, all the blessings of his love divine, every promise in the book is mine. I mean, we just ought to know, this book, I can depend on it. This is a book of promises, and my God will never fail me. He'll never leave me. I can count on him, and what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. Man, I'm glad he put that verse in there. Hey, when thou goest through the fire, just know I will be with thee. Oh, what a great. And I, I love Hebrews 13, five, I think I gave that a minute ago. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You can read it forwards, backwards, it means the same thing. Thee forsake thee, nor thee leave, never will I. I mean, man, it just it's a wonderful book of promises. So plans have to be made. Meditate on the past. Get you some promises. Every day. I ought to read the Bible and find a promise. Oh, I'm okay, I'm gonna hang on to that one today. Because if there's over 30,000, there's more than enough for every day. Then notice number four. Uh, Not only promises have to be claimed, but here's what we all have to do, folks. You ready? Does everybody understand how powerless we are without God? We are powerless. I'm glad God is omnipotent, all-powerful. Looky here at verse number 12. Here's Jehoshaphat, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Jehoshaphat did some things here that really stuck out to me. He really made known how powerless he and the people of God really were without God. God, we had no might. What I look out there is I see an army that can whoop us pretty easy. And I'll be honest, God, we don't know what to do. You see, he's already thinking right. You know why he's thinking right? Because way long back he set a plan to think right. What a man. And you know, the devil will capitalize on our thought processing, especially when we're weak. How do you know? Remember when Jesus fasted 40 days? Come out of the wilderness. First person to visit him wasn't someone with a drink of water. Wasn't somebody with a fresh towel to wash his feet. It wasn't somebody to comfort him and give him a nice robe. No, it was Satan. And what did he do? He had... Wanted to attack his thinking. Have you ever noticed how that our thinking gets so attacked when we get weak? And That's why, boy, it's so crucial that we have powerlessness. We get powerless. And we realize, I don't know what to do. When trial came in our life, I resigned my church. We had lost our home because our medical expenses was well over three thirty-five hundred dollars a month. And we sold our house to take the equity to pay the medical bills just so we wouldn't go under. Our insurance company wrote us a nice letter and said, Unfortunately, because your injury is a doctor-caused error, we're not allowed to cover you any longer. We try to get into Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic and Johns Hopkins Clinic and all three of Duke Medical Clinic in North Carolina. All four of those clinics tell us the same thing. Mr. Campbell, we know how to help you. We're familiar with your disease, but I'm sorry. Our medical procedures policies manual states that when you have a doctor-caused injury, we're not legally allowed to treat you. We can only give you pain meds. When my wife and I got into the moving truck, I'll be very honest, we were wiped out. I'm thankful, you know, we still have life. But I'll be honest. We felt robbed. We felt vulnerable. And when we got in the moving truck, my wife looked at me, tears running down her face. I broke into tears and she said, honey, At our age, I don't think I've ever been more afraid than I am right now. What are we going to do? And she said, do you realize we are moving to North Carolina? We told a man that we'll rent his house. And we have no clue how we're going to pay for it because you don't have a job. I said, yeah, now you bring that up, uh, yeah. (laughs) I just got 3,000 miles to think about it now. But you know what, you're looking, last year, God miraculously allowed my wife and I to buy a home. It was so miraculous, the person who did our loan, uh, over an hour away, drove to the closing. When we got there, they introduced us to this lady, and she said, I don't come to closings. And she said, but I'll be honest, about three to five times through this whole ordeal with you folks, I said to the head person, scrap the loan. There is no way they're going to get it. There's no use even giving it to the underwriter. It's not going to happen. I mean, there's just, you can't make something out of nothing. And she said, when they approved you, I said, I'm driving to that closing. Because I got to see whoever that is. Because they got into touch with somebody that I just got to figure out. Now that meant the world to us. Folks, we sometimes have to just do this. I don't know what to do, but I'm not taking my eyes off of you. I love in this story how that Jehoshaphat said, Men, go get your wives, your teenagers, your children, and babies. Bring them all here. You imagine them all getting around there and, and, and they're all gathering around, and he said, We're powerless. Look outside. Everybody knows. We're outnumbered. But we still have him. I'd like for everybody to do one thing. We can't fight them and win. We all know that. But would you do this with me? Would everybody just look up toward heaven? Would you do it with me right now? Everybody just kind of look up? Now, I have no idea how long they stood there. Can you imagine every boy, man, woman, little girl, kid, baby? They're all looking up. Probably some kids. Mommy, why are we looking up? (laughs) Daddy, what are we looking for? I don't know, son, but it's coming. I don't know, but it's coming. He's a faithful God. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That's how I think God wants us to see tonight. Parents in here, grandparents, you know what it's like when your little kids come to you one, two, three, They start walking. Mama. And, and, you know, they want ice cream, cookie, cake. And when you get 50-year-old, Mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> honey, honey. And to my wife, Krispy Kreme. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> We're all needy, aren't we? And I love this. Look at this, if you would, folks. Don't miss this here. Look at verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Jael, the son of Madani, the Levite, the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. Woo! Did you see that? Guess who showed up down there? God showed up. The Holy Spirit of God showed up. Where'd he show up? Not out there where the enemy's at. He showed up where all them little kids and women and men were looking up. Don't tell me God doesn't see us when we're looking up at him. Hey, next time you got a trouble in your life, next time you got a trial in your life, get your whole family in the living room together and say, we're too powerless. We don't know how to get out of this one. Just everybody look up. He's coming. And by the way, he is coming, Amen. Look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. What a God we have. Oh, next one. I said, wow, protection is then promised. Notice what the Holy Spirit said in verse 15. And he said, hearken ye people, all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord. In other words, I got tidings from the Lord. And he said, be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's. Oh, isn't that good? Look down verse 17. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. You see, sometimes God doesn't want us to do anything. He just wants us to stand still. Be still and know that I am God. Wait, I say, wait upon the Lord, and he shall renew thy strength. Wow, here they are. They're looking up. You know, as a parent and grandparent, you know, it's hard to turn those little eyes away, isn't it? I think God looked down and said, Holy Spirit, I can't handle it anymore. All them eyeballs looking at me. Get down there and help them. He sent him down there, and protection is promised. Isn't it great? No, God never fails. Number seven, I want to give you this and look at verse 20. Let's let's go back to verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now, Jehoshaphat was a man, was kind of like, uh, I think probably a lot like Nehemiah. He started, he had a plan in place. I guarantee your pastor's got a plan, not just for this year, but next year, the year after that, year after that, year after that. And, and boy, and, and that's a good thing. And, and wow, he, he was a planner. He said, folks, I tell you what, since the Holy Spirit's come and said we don't need to battle, I tell you what, let's do in here what God expects us to do. Let's just do a little bit of worshiping. Isn't that good? All right, this group over here, let me tell you your sole responsibility. When the battle gets a little heated here in a little bit, what's your job? And say it back to me, worship God. What are you going to do? Now, worship might be reading a little bit of scripture. It might be getting on your knees praying a little bit. It might be just bragging on God. You know, that, that's worship. Telling God how good he is. Let's read on and look down in verse number 19. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to what? Praise the Lord, okay? And uh, the Lord got on the high with a loud voice. So now, here he is. He's got one group over here. What's their job? Say it with me to worship God. Now we got another group over here. What's your job? Do nothing but praise the Lord. You got it? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. God, you're so wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? Isn't Jesus my Lord? And what's your job? Worship God. Read a little scripture, bow the knee, say good how good God is. So now he's got, okay, let's go down to verse number 20. And they rose early in the morning and they went forth into the wilderness to Koah, And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe as prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Now, what a guy here. He said, now, what's the number group? What's your job? Worship the Lord. What's your job right here? Praise the Lord. What's your job over here? Sing. Amen. you man, mad. He's putting a choir together. Now, the enemy's outside out there sharpening up their knives. But we got them. They think they're going to take us. Look how many we got compared to what they got. Probably one of the enemies said, "Hey, King of Ammon, what in the world are they doing in there? I don't even see them pulling swords out. They're not even. I mean, they don't even have shields out. They're in there praising and singing and hooping and hollering and mat- what in the world's going on in there?" Well, they're worshiping, they're praising, and they're singing. This is the most important part of the recipe here. If you don't get this part, you've missed the whole recipe. I mean, the cake is not going to turn out very good. You've got to get this. When promise of protection is is, plan, is given, preparation needs to be made. He's preparing the people. What's your job? Worship. What's your job? Praise the Lord. What's your job? Sing preparation has to be made you see when we don't know how to get ourselves out of the battle or the trial we're in and most of the times we don't because you got to understand we're no match for the devil then what do we do I'm going to read a little while worship God a little while I'm going to praise a little while and I'm going to sing a little while that ought to be the job of every Christian amen you agree I can't fight the devil and win neither can you I'm no match for him. You're not either. There's only one that can handle him. That's God. So I tell you what I can do. I can let him know how much I want him and need him. I can worship him. I can get up every morning and spend some time with him. I can get up every day and thank him for all the blessings of life. He even said, Thessalonians, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. God this is the hardest trial of my life I didn't like that heart attack and I didn't like that helicopter ride never thought I'd say it but thank you for it because through it all as a choir singing this morning you've been good I've preached over 300 times since that helicopter ride and only asked him for one I've seen my wife now a lot of times and my kids God's good There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. You know, if every one of us would have that kind of walk with God, don't you kind of think it's unbelievable what God might do? I close with this. Praise has to be ministered. Don't forget that part. Praise has to be ministered. Well, okay. Let's find out how the story ends. Let's look down at verse 21. I'm almost done here. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness and to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Verse 22, here you go. Notice what happens. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir and all the other ones that were outside and notice the last three words of verse 22 they were smitten notice verse 23 for the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them and when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir everyone helped to destroy another I wrote outside in my Bible this word confusion You know what happened outside? Inside the church, they're worshiping, praising, and singing. On the outside, everywhere you look, Seir and Ammon and all the the people out there are fighting. And now, instead of turning on the people of God, they got so confused, they turned on each other and started killing each other. What are you doing knocking my head off? I'm on your team. No, you're not. What? Get you out. And you said, wait a minute. I'm on. No, you're not. What? They got so confused. I wrote this little statement down. If you ever want to give the devil a dose of confusion, just start worshiping, praising, and singing. It just makes him break out. That's what happened here. God set people out there that killed all the enemy. And not one of them lived. But guess who did live? All God's. You might say, well, how did they win the battle? You ready? What's your job? Worship. Worship. What's your job? Praise. Praise. What's your job? Sing. I call the message title this. When the battle comes, you must praise your way out. That's a whole lot better than fighting, isn't it? That's a whole lot better than sharpening a sword. You mean all I got to do is worship, sing, and praise? Yeah, I think that's all you got to do. I think that's all God wants us to do anyway. You know, there's a world out there that would like for this church to close up. But you know how you can do it? The gates of hell prevail. You worship, you keep praising, and you keep singing. And you keep walking with God every day that God gives you breath. And don't you ever forget from whom all blessings flow. The last thing you got to love this. How many believe God has a sense of humor? Look at verse 24. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, not one escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, They found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off of themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. What a God. You know why God killed all the enemies? Because he knew every one of them had some jewels and signets and diamonds and jewels. And the people of God had been in a great famine and didn't know where the next meal was going to come from. God said now I want you to go out there and I want you to rip off every necklace jewel earring you can find and everybody carry a load of it because there's going to be enough to take you through what a God Amen. and if you look in verse number 26 and on the fourth day they assembled why because three days they were carrying spoil away you remember them little kids that was five six and seven earlier where mommy and daddy why are we looking up Three days later, Mommy, what are we going to do with all these jewels? What are we going to do with all this stuff? Man, we got so much stuff here. Woohoo, daddy. Does this mean, oh, yeah, it means we're going to eat for weeks and years and months? Why? Where'd it come from? Remember when you was looking up? God did it. God did it. Last thing you write down, don't ever forget where the provisions of blessings comes from. We have a great God. Several months ago, we were—I was preaching at a church. We'd been having some medical bills come in; wasn't sure how we we're going to get it. And uh, <clears throat> we were standing at a table one night. We we're going to drive home that night. It's about—I don't know—a five-six hour drive through the night. And those were hard. This was back when I was still hurting. And, um, <clears throat> or hadn't had this new medicine. Somebody came by the table out and said, uh, I want to give you all a Starbucks card. I heard you say you like coffee. And I said, well, that is so nice of you. And they said, we heard you're driving through the night, not going home till like 2 or 3 in the morning. We, you get some coffee. Okay, to stay awake while you're driving. Okay. We get in the car, load the car, we're headed down. I I forget what state we were in. I looked up, it's getting close to 8, 9, 9 o'clock, and I thought, we're going to get that coffee, better get it now. So we pulled off the exit, there was a Starbucks. Got a card somebody gave us tonight. Oh, praise God. And we get in line. When we get in the store, man, I mean, it must have been the time every church got out because, man, there was a long line of getting coffee. There's like 15 in line. Well, I don't like lines. I want everything right now. Amen. Are you that way? <laughs> I'm like, man, I want, I, I want to walk in and just get it and go, you know. And so I get in there. And there's so many people in line, and Jack's with me. Kelly's in the car. And I have a habit. I probably told you about this last time. Did I tell you about whistling when I'm a habit? Okay. Well, anyway, we're in a Starbucks line, and I just start whistling. Yeah, we've had a good day. God bless. I think three, four people got saved that Sunday morning, Sunday night church. It's been a good meeting. Got to drive all night. And now we don't even have to pay for our own coffee. Somebody gave us a card to get it. And I'm excited. I'm praising God. God's good. Amen. And so I'm just in the line whistling. Now, when I whistle, you probably notice, I don't whistle with my lips. I whistle with the roof of my mouth. So when I whistle, nobody usually knows it's me. And so Jack's with me, and I'm standing there, and I'm just <laughs> Dad says, son, uh, Jack said, Dad, people are looking, you're whistling too loud. And I said, oh, okay. And everybody's looking in there and they're laughing and they're like, who? And they thought it was Jack because Jack gets down there. <laughs> Jack's back there and he's standing down there. <laughs> oh, son, you whistle so good. How old are you? Nine. Oh, what a good. And I'm like, you're not doing a whistling, it's me. And, and I thought, well, they like that. So it was like, Said so this little boy was. Oh man, look! Ah, yeah, high five, man! Look at him, man! We had the whole place going crazy. I thought, well, this time, you know, uh, the clown of me, you know, was like, okay, might as well add a little, a little better, you know. Nobody, you didn't know I was a ventriloquist, did you? <laughs> and, or just, we're having a good old time. Finally, we got up there to the line, and I pulled out my Starbucks card. I said, I'll have this, my son, my wife, and 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 the lady looked at me. She said, you know. Your drinks are on the house tonight. I said, say what? I was like, so I was almost disappointed because I have a card to pay for. I, you know, she said, your drinks are on the house tonight. I said, really? Why is that? And she said, there were some ladies way ahead of the line here that got so tickled and so enjoyed hearing you and your son doing the whistling. And she said these words. She gave me enough money to pay for whatever it was you wanted. I said, in that case, I'll take 10 cups of coffee, 10 doughnuts. No, I didn't didn't do that. (laughs) I said, is that right? Are you sure you're not pulling my leg? She said, no. She said, that lady said, you know, we live in a pretty tough world today. A lot of people going through some hard times. I'm going to pay for somebody's coffee tonight because it looks like they know how to have a good time. Now, that just meant the world to me. It taught me that when you praise, better look out. God will take care of you. I mean, that just meant so much to me. We don't go to a Starbucks now without we walk in and we whistle. (laughs) Greedy, 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 amen? We've even tried it at Target, amen? Hey, there's a great God of heaven, wouldn't you agree? I hope you'll take this recipe. Let's bow our heads. Father.